fantastic show is brought to you by eatingforabs.com. Visit Eating for Abs for guidance on all of your nutrition and weight loss needs. That's eatingforabs.com. The show is also brought to you by coffeewithradi.com, where you'll find books by judo Olympian and four-time national champion, Dr. Rodney Ferguson. Welcome to Super Fantastic Show. I'm your, ho- I'm your host, Coach B. Moore. I'm joined by my favorite fam, Dr. Roddy Ferguson, Dr. Maurice Dolberry, and Jada Wright Nichols. All right, look, a couple things happened since we've last convened, and we're going to take them down in order. Not, not order of importance, but chronological order. Number one, Los Angeles Lakers superstar Kobe Bryant has retired. In my mind, three years too late, but we're going to get into that. Uh, I have some very fond memories of Kobe. Uh, I am a great fan of Kobe on the basketball court, but not of Kobe the person. So we're going we're gonna to just quickly talk about, just give him some appreciation. And then I have some key questions for you guys, some, some elements I'd like you specifically to talk about individually. So, okay, give me, some, give me a fond memory of Kobe. Why is Kobe awesome? Kobe's an Olympian. Do you compare the basketball Olympians to... Uh, you know, like a judo Olympian, do you think it's the same level of, of thing? Of course, because the United States hasn't ha- hasn't won the gold medal all the time. We've had our stars. I don't give them that much won. credit. I don't give the, the the in basketball. I don't give the Olympians that much credit, like I do other individual sports, because it's the NBA. The NBA is here. The best basketball players in the world are here. That, that's that, that's not true. That is not true. That's a, that's one hundred percent. Well, I'm just telling you that's a nationalistic view. And there are teams that are outside of the NBA who can beat some of the teams in the NBA. That's true. That The NBA has their own set of rules. The World Basketball Association plays on a different set of rules. You can't be inside of your own country, make your own rules, and then call yourself the world champions when you won a national championship. I agree, but I think that, if you take that, the best that, players that, in the NBA fair. and put them on a team if, if you take, against any you country, you're going to play. It depends if you play on the international rules, that is not the case. And we have already seen that occur and seen it happen. All right, so you give Kobe credit for being an Olympian. Fantastic. Okay, go ahead. D-Bray, what you got on Kobe? Kobe Cole. Uh, <clears throat> there was a period for about, I'm going to say maybe six years, where Kobe Bryant was the greatest basketball player to ever step on a professional basketball court. He could lock down your best player and outscore your best defender. He made his teammates better. He was winning championship rings. He was just... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He was completely and totally unstoppable. Too late. You already interrupted. Did you just say... Did you just say... He said ever. Ever. You said ever. ever. That's the one word that got me to. You said ever. That got me to. Right. You said when you say ever, you're like Michael Jordan. I don't know about that. For five years, he was the greatest player ever. But Okay, wait. So what happens after the five years? Does it go... Does it revert back to Mike? How does that work? Or Wilt? Or what what happens after after the five years? On the decline of Kobe... Are you saying that he has now become the best player ever and only someone after Kobe could then supersede him? Nobody before him? It's a, it's a, it's a hyperbolic statement and a title to give. There's no way to compare across eras and all that kind of stuff. Look, Oscar Robertson said some of the coldest, you want to talk about like greatest player ever. He asked, asked Oscar Robertson a question. This was about three years ago. He said, dude, Wilt Chamberlain ain't played a game of basketball in 40 years and still owns 90 NBA records. Mm -hmm. So how the hell do you figure out who is the best ever? So it's a hyperbolic statement. It's just up for conjecture. 
you know. So ever don't really mean nothing. It's ever. just it's just inflammatory. Yes, nah, it's not. It's beyond inflammatory. It's, it means like nah, this dude is this dude is phenomenal. He's incredible. There's no one that, better. There's the great. That, he's the greatest basketball uh, player ever. I, I think that as we're talking about current players versus past players. I see your point, Mo. Like he he was on the road to had he finished his career at that level, it would have been more difficult to dispute whether some this guy or that guy was greater than. If you're wondering why Jada sounds like she's on a bullhorn running <laughs> running track, it's because she's running no, from her because, daughter. No, no, she's not running from her daughter. The problem is is that she didn't listen to that Beyonce's lemonade and and, <laughs> and the whole and the whole uh, universe. A woman and the 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 the, the, the going go damn it crazy, but we gonna talk about that later. Right now <laughs> we, we, we need coming. we need. I'm not, I'm not hijacking the show, Doctor Doberry. You call Kobe Bryant one of the best basketball players ever, and then you tried to cover it up with that you know PhD talk and, and created an infallible argument and said you were just hyping it up, but then you didn't really mean it, but you meant it. Kobe Bryant. Oh no, no. The, the, let's be specific. Kobe Bryant is one of the greatest players to ever play. Top you said five one of the. You're, no the holding. You're saying he, you can't say one of the. One of the absolutely is right. He's one of the best. But right. Mo said he is the best player ever. No, I didn't. I for said five for years. five years. For five years, he was the best player and ever. And that and that makes this that automatically makes the statement. The statement is a contradiction. It's it it's funny. It for funny. five years, he was the greatest player ever. It's funny. Come I just on, want man. to make sure you, know you knew it was funny. From. You already know where I'm coming from. Of right. course. You didn't laugh. You didn't type LOL after you said. We need to laugh. We got smart. We got smart listeners, man. They understand. They know where I'm coming from. I think our listeners will understand what we mean when you hit that sound. There it is. Jada Wright Nichols, Ray's husband, the one without the shelves, the one running from the baby. What you got on Kobe? Uh, Kobe was one of the greatest. No, I loved watching Kobe play because he he did inspire greatness on both ends of the court and between both teams. Like he made everybody around him want to be a better player, a better coach, a better fan. Like he just inspired greatness in everything that he did on the court. Mhm. Okay, good. So now we got all the like the good Kobe out. All the good Kobe. Now personally, I have <clears throat> I have spent Buku bucks on Kobe. Kobe got some of my money. Okay, I got two of the official jerseys, the, the number eight jerseys in the closet. I got the home and the away joint in the closet right now. Okay, that was a special occasion. I'm going to tell you about that. But I'm not really a Kobe fan. I'm a fan of his ability and skill or, or what he, you know, at the time when he was really doing it. But I really hated this dude as a person. And, and I how, say that. How do, you, how, how do you hate somebody you don't know? I say that tongue in cheek because I don't know him as a person. But he made moves to me off the court that really kind of, you know, broke the bro code in a lot of ways and personally was an affront to me. Doberry, this is, this is kind of, I'm kind of throwing the ball to you here. Now, Kobe came up with a commercial. He had a commercial with Nike, his like retirement commercial, where he's, he's in the game. Uh, it's his last game and he does something incredible. And then he. He listens to the fans, and the crowd is going, I hate you, I hate you. And they're all yelling. And then you zoom in, and you got, you know, Rashid Wallace talking about how he hated Kobe. And you got Paul Pierce with the green shirt on talking about how he hated Kobe. And the, the organ player hated Kobe. Phil Jackson and Jeannie come up and, and start singing, right? And he starts conducting the choir of uh, 
of the audience in their hatred, very much like The Rock. I mean, he's, he's the heel, right? He's Kanye. He's The Rock. He's, there's a character there. I don't really ever feel like Kobe is actually playing the heel. I think he'd like to think that he's playing the heel, but I think, I think people do hate Kobe, but not for the reason portrayed in that commercial, at least. And the commercial is like, oh, you hate me because I, I, I sauced your team up. I hit that last second shot. I don't hate Kobe for what he did in the basketball court. Mo, do you have any input or any thoughts on why people might actually hate Kobe and it's not the reason why he thinks? Well, <clears throat> there's See there's this is what I say to 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 my students, right? And I said this and and the cast looked at me like it's crazy. This is in that eighth grade science class. And we were talking about, you know, give somebody, you know, I get hated on, you know, I got I got haters. They're like, like, no, some of y'all are confused. You don't have haters. You're not being hated on. People hate you. You're just generally a dislikable person. People don't like your character. They don't like your personality. Just in, you are a jackass. <laughs> See, a hater is someone who looks at someone and is jealous of their success. They, it drums up things about their own self-esteem and their own lack of accomplishment. And then they become a hater and then you get haters. And I think Kobe falls in, often falls in that, that, that former category. People just don't like him, man. He just, it's just something dislikable about him. Let's, let's, let's run down a couple of things. First of all, who comes up with their own nickname, right? <laughs> who comes up with their own nickname? Yeah, they call me, gonna uh, let him be smooth. T-Bone, right? Like, like George Costanza, T-Bone. Come on, man. Like, how you gonna, you gonna call yourself the Black Mamba? And then right I, after I Kill Bill, after, after you saw Kill Bill. Right, right. And I ain't going to let him slide on that Vino thing. He said, yeah, uh, my boy just said, uh, I get better with time. Like wine, Vino, ha ha, I'm going to take it. Oh, then your boy didn't say that. You just made that up because you thought it sounded like a cool nickname. <laughs> See, when people like you or, or they are haters, you get a nickname. But when people don't like you, you just get called Kobe. They just call you by your name. They don't like you. Then, of course, we got to go here. You got to um, do it. Are you, going to, are you going to the locker room? Please go to the locker room. This is so... Post-Colorado. Well, this is what I'm saying, right? So let's, let's, let's acknowledge Colorado for a second here um, and, and not give it too short a shrift. Look, what, what happened in that room is, a, I believe, a disagreement between two adults. I don't know what happened in that room. Uh, I, I know nobody was charged with anything. I don't know if that exonerates. I don't know, man. I, I'm it's one person says something. I know that I don't women, even care about what happened in the room. So I, I, I do though, because I, I gotta, I gotta acknowledge it. I gotta say it. It's a part of who I am. Like, look, women don't be lying about getting raped. That's that, you know, that's that bullshit. So let me put it, couch it in those terms and then leave it on. Here's the problem I have with oh, fallout oh, oh, Colorado. Oh, oh, oh. Mo, what, what did you just say? I what said women say? don't women don't be lying about like when dudes be like, man, you be lying about getting raped. Let's 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 okay. So let me my fault. Let me let me academic it up, Doctor Ferguson. Hold on. Okay. Uh, most I, women. Oh, thank you. I I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. Don't lie about it. I agree. Most women don't make up rape stories. That's what I, I say. Right there. I agree. Agree. So. So that being said, here's the problem I got. He got caught. He got caught. He's at the press conference. 
He got mics in front of his face. All of a sudden, this fool says, I should have just paid her like Shaq be doing. I don't what? know what's the big deal. Shaq paid millions of dollars to shut women up. What? Excuse me? Meanwhile, oh, Shaq's Shaq at the bar like Arsenio, <laughs> minding his own business. Right? The Arsenio spit take from Kung Kutu. <laughs> what? <laughs> Dude, if you look up dry snitching in the, in the dictionary, it's a picture of Kobe with his mouth open and, and got his finger pointed off in the distance where hypothetical Shaq is sitting. <laughs> no, they, the, pro the problem is there is no hypothetical Shaq. That was not dry snitching. That was straight up snitching. And no, it was, it's, it's it was foul. Snitching. It was dry because he didn't have to call Shaq out. That's the, that's the dry part of it. That's no, the dry they, part. He ain't had no, to say nothing about Shaq. He could just say, mm -hmm. hey, I got caught. I fucked up. Yeah, but to me, dry snitching is there are other people on the team or there are other people in the league who do the same thing or who, you know. That to me is dry snitching. To straight up call Shaq out by the name his mama gave him, is right. <laughs> that was a lot. Call out married, married Shaq, married with kids Shaq. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a lot. And I did not approve. Um, Neither did but... Shawnee. <laughs> right, exactly. But it did not make me begin to dislike Kobe as a player. No, no, and no. Not as a player. I know, you're trying to, I know you're trying to make the distinction, but the fact is that dudes who would otherwise respect Kobe as a player respects Kobe's game. If if it were anybody else balling out the way that he balled out, eighty two points, folks still has something to say. Ah, but look at what he said about Shaq. Like years later, yeah, so, because that doesn't fade when you retire from basketball. You're still who you are, <laughs> right? But but so separated, and this is where I feel like, you know, Kobe was an asshole for for saying that in the press conference. But he was a great player. So, and, and so he, he is hated. He is hated, and he also has haters. He thinks like, he's hated because he's a good basketball player, though. He's not hated so because he's a good basketball player. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. So y'all can separate for Kobe, but y'all can't separate for my man R. Kelly. I'm done. Wait, 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 y'all. Don't throw somebody, me in that. Somebody that. hit the sound. Somebody hit the mother and sound. R. Kelly pissed on children on camera, dog. Hey, listen, Ain't no forgiving hey, that. No, no. And, and, For the and record, that I didn't watch play the album, and, and that 12 play album was good. Those are two mutually exclusive things. Absolutely. Well, that's true. 12, 12, that's play true. Was, 12 play was great. 12 play was great. I, nobody's saying that 12 play wasn't good. Nobody's saying that R. Kelly isn't talented. I'm not ever giving R. Kelly a dime going forward, but... Nobody is saying that R. Kelly isn't good or wasn't good because actually I, I don't have a good take. Mm, I don't have a good um, feeling about his music post uh, videotaped pedophilia. Right. And, so, and so, so the argument that you that you just made, you're now against. Because I'm not I'm saying that I'm saying that I don't have a good feeling. It, I'm, right. I don't even. I don't even listen to it. I didn't stop watching Kobe. I didn't stop watching Kobe, and nobody else did. I didn't stop watching Kobe. I did stop listening to R. Kelly. You don't have to pay to watch I, Kobe. And that's and right. that is, well, not not true because you can watch him on television. You can listen to music, but that is the argument that that B was just making. That Coach B was just making is that 
men, and you said the same thing, men feel a different way about the situation with with the way Kobe handled it, and they'll just throw everything else that Kobe has or has done under that same umbrella. And people do the same thing depending on how strongly they feel about one's personal issues. And it depends on what those personal issues are. I think pedophilia and uh, child rape are quite different than, you know, whatever we think happens in Colorado and quite different from adultery in, in general. I think that that's different. Pedophilia to me crosses a line and I'm no longer interested in you. 12 play was great. Bumped it my, you know, several years throughout college. I, I can't take any of that away. I'm not buying shit that he does going forward and have not and will turn him off or not and not even out of anger. I'm not like smashing the the radio when it comes on, but I will turn it away because it's no longer of any interest to me. Do I I, I don't know what his writing caliber is today. So it's not the same as saying watching Kobe make 82 points and saying, ah, oh, ain't shit. It's not the same. <laughs> I'm not I'm not even listening to dude. I'm not going to a concert. I'm not supporting what he's doing. None of that. I'm right, and 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 I I feel you. I just find it weird how people play on both sides of the fence, and then they speak about you know how mental illness is real, and then with somebody that has an actual mental illness, then they they do what they do. Somebody hit the sound. Back to the locker room for a second. Fast forward a couple years after Shaq has been ousted out of L.A. after the three peak. (laughs) And Jerry Buss decides to side with Kobe because Kobe is, you know, has been walking around the locker room with his headphones on without any music so he can hear what the brothers are saying about him. Bitch move. Uh, <laughs> we, we get Pau Gasol in, in there, and then, and then we start winning championships again. And then there's distension in the locker room. Turns out distension in the locker room is what? Old Kobe Cole once again talking to Pau's girlfriend about his other girlfriend. What? <laughs> what? First of all, what you got against centers, number one. Number two, <laughs> number two, what are you doing opening your mouth about someone else's relationship? This is your coworker, man. Let's look at it like that. We spent a lot of time together, but we're coworkers. We're not even really boys. What are you doing talking about anything that I'm doing? That's why I don't like Kobe. I think that's why, people, you know, I'm, I, I don't know that I speak for everyone, but I think that in my heart, I think that Kobe believes that he's hated because of his talent and his hard work, and it has nothing to do with that. And the things that he's retiring from, that doesn't retire with you. You're still an asshole. What? What D'Angelo Russell learned from him? Clearly, he's been mentored. <laughs> he paid attention. <laughs> D'Angelo yeah, but- Russell is here video recording his boy. Dog, he needed Stringer Bell in the room Right then. Remember, remember, remember why when Stringer Bell, when dude was taking notes or like he had taught him parliamentary procedure, he was like, niggas, you taking notes on a criminal conspiracy? What are you <laughs> doing, D'Angelo? Right, this dude is engaging in proper parliamentary procedure. Well, but then at the same at the same time, you have dudes who are snitching on themselves by sending you know, it's not it go snitching down when detail. you're talking to your boy. It's not. It's no, not no, snitching no, no. when you're talking, watching no, no, TV. No, no, no. I'm talking about direct messages. I'm talking about what goes down in the DM. Are you talking about uh, your boy, your boy, uh, the <laughs> king? <laughs> right. What's up, hey, girl? Look, if you do it yourself and <laughs> hey, you hold on, hold on. Hey, 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 Jada, Jada. I, I really like that. I like. I really like that back of the uh, that back of the throat laugh you just gave. That's that. that that's that gangster laugh. That. <laughs> 
She in Memphis, though. She in Memphis. <laughs> Who is also okay? So that just brings up another point. Like he's also my guy too. I w- I was never a part of you know is it LB or LBJ or uh, oh lord <laughs> is it LB or Kobe? I was never a part of that. I enjoyed them both. Yeah, you're talking about basketball, though. We're not talking about basketball. Right. Exactly. So I'm just saying that Kobe was hated because he could be a bit of an asshole. Period. And he also had and Kobe, he also had Kobe, hater. No, Kobe was hated because you all saw him on TV all the time because he was a multimillionaire and he played basketball. Because if he didn't play basketball, you would not care. What? Okay. I don't. Well, you, yeah. I'm aware of him because he uh, plays because he's great at basketball. But I didn't hate him because he played great basketball. That's ridiculous. I hated him because he's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, but you would have never known that. That's true. I would have never known it. I'm aware of him because so, of his so skill it, on the court. So, 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 so it is because he plays basketball that you hate him. Uh, no, it's not because, because he played. No, his because assholeness was illuminated. Yeah, his ass, his asshole was was illuminated because he played basketball. Correct. Correct. The assholery, the assholery. His asshole was illuminated. <laughs> his assholeness. It's kind of like his move. Mark it down. Get the sign. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're gonna move forward here. This is for you, Ferg. You getting the alley oop here on this one? You've written several books, and one of your books in particular, I think, is really um, something we should talk about in this portion. Still on Kobe, and that is after the laughter comes the tears. Okay, what is he about to go through as a, you know, premier NBA athlete, global athlete on the stage who comes out every night to, you know, 80,000 people plus television to now no more games? What, what, what's he, what, what should he expect? Well, let, me, let me answer that question and let me Jesse Jackson this thing for a moment and, and tell you what I want to say. Jogatize. Um, I think that <laughs> I, I really think that at this particular time he could really be aided Um, by getting some mentorship from George Foreman. George Foreman did something remarkable that Kobe's going to need to do if he wants to maximize his earning potential and still make some of the money that he has made during his playing career. He needs to kind of revamp and restructure how the the media and the public see him. It may require him to, to go off the scene for a period of time and then come back. If you remember George Foreman when in the days when he was fighting Ali and when he was fighting Frazier, if you even looked at his documentary that was, that was on ESPN Films at one particular time, you know, he was a very ma- angry and mean person, and the people didn't like him. When he came back and he did his second, really the, the second coming of his career, he smiled more, he laughed more, he was more jovial. Uh, he kind of changed, changed his personal um, media persona. Now, the people behind the scenes will tell you that George was still George, and he was still getting your ass, even though he was a reverend, but... In the public, he made a, a, a quality change about who he wanted to be. And I think that's one thing that Kobe's going to need to do because you cannot live out the rest of your career off of hate. Uh, the second thing that you asked is that I think Kobe's going to have to get used to what it's like when the, when the, when the cheers are gone. I mean, that, that, it, it is something when, you, when you're living a life where you're used to the the cheer from the crowd. He's always going to walk around and people are always going to ask him for his autograph. He's always going to be Kobe Bryant. He's always going to have had a hell of a career in basketball. But there's something that you miss. And 
John Jones really, uh, John Jones fought this past weekend in the UFC 197 in Vegas. And it was his first fight back after a year layoff. And when he walked out, you can see that he walked super slow. He turned around and looked at the crowd. He almost kind of looked a couple people in the eye individually, walked to the ring slow, went in the crowd, hugged some of his family members, put his hands in the air, waved at the people. I mean, and just enjoyed every moment with the understanding that that could be taken away at any time. What Kobe's going to have to find is he's going to have to find the void that is going to be created in his life when those cheers are no longer coming. Some people juggle wives. Some people go to, some people bet. Some people pick up golf. Some people still go to the basketball court and and play against some of their, their peers. They have some people on the side cheer them on. Mm-hmm. But he's going to have to find something where people are going to cheer him on because there's trauma that is created when you leave a situation or a career. And that is that is where post-traumatic sh- the, the, um, stress disorder comes from, from that particular trauma. Is it a, is it a I, high that you chase? It's it's well, there's two things. When you first when you first quit or you retire, or you know, you, or you're forced to retire, you miss the high. The second part of it is, and this is what I I'm I'm dealing with this now, is that you're no longer how you identified yourself for your whole life. Like he, he's identified, like there's going to come a time, like right now, if he stepped on the court next year, he could still play. But there's going to come a time, and this happens too, within the next five, 10 years or 12 years where he's no longer going to be that, that guy or that kid that he was growing up knowing that he's the best on the playground, the best on the court, the best on the world, the best in the conference, the best. He's not going to be that guy anymore. And it's going to be a very difficult transition for him when he's no longer that person. Because that, that is how he has, that is how he has identified for his whole life. Right. Rousey touched on this in the news after her, after her loss in the ring. That uh, that the suicide uh, comment. You want to touch on that? No, I do not. <laughs> no, I mean, I and I, I, I don't. I, I don't want to touch on it. Um, man, that thing is traumatic. Even talking about it, even talking about my situation now, when I was mentioning it, because I didn't plan on saying that, it, it has an emotional effect on me. And I don't ever talk about the Olympics or the training or. Or anything like that, because it's a it's a really dark place, um, and sport in and of itself is a dark place. And say what you want to say about athletes and the things that they do, or the or the or the other geniuses of the world that we that we're entertained by, they're at the right, at the far far right of the bell curve, because those people are also special needs. They're no different than the people on the far left. They have it, the, both of those things fall under special education, and they have problems. Like you, I mean, there. If you look all the way at what we call, what is called, you know, the idiot savantism or being a savant, they're closer to the edge of being a savant. 
but they're not all the way there where they where they can't govern themselves somewhat in society. But even their governance in society, they make a lot of mistakes. I mean, I could I could name them. I, listen, Hulk Hogan, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Um, you could name name your football players, any one of them. On on the far end, I mean, your Hall of Famers, your really really good people. They all have their issues or they have their problems, but the things that make them great also create those other issues. It it is what it is. And he, and as you get older and you can no longer do what you do anymore. You don't have that icing to cover up your personal cake. When you can't shoot the threes or do the dunks or any of that, the you, the real you actually comes out. Asshole. But I, you don't <laughs> you, you don't know you don't know you don't know if that's the case. Remember, his social upbringing wasn't the same as most of the the African Americans that are in the NBA. He, he's very different from them. In terms of his upbringing and 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 how he was raised, very different. I'm sure that he he felt like a freshwater fish in salt water at first. I mean, some of the behavior and the things he's learned over a period of time. I mean, come on. I mean, for all intents and purposes, the guy was reared and raised in Europe. Yeah, I don't excuse right, it, and and I think you're... no, no, no. You, 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 I, I'm not excusing it. It's not an excuse thing. I'm trying to give you a, a reason for it. And I will say this, as I have said it on, on many occasions, and even when it comes to Ronda R- Rousey and the people who view it and sit in the stands and watch on TV, you cannot look at a special population thing with a general population lens. True indeed. Yeah. On the heels of your comment, talking about the other geniuses who entertain us, we're going to move forward on to portion B of this conversation, and that is the loss of one of the great artists of our time, the purple one himself, Prince. Um, you know, it, it's something that was very unexpected, as death often is. Um, but that guy put out so much and gave so much to uh, his listeners that it is really one of the, of the people we've seen die, the celebrities we've seen die. It's one of those that just... I, to me, and I love Michael Jackson, to me it's almost bigger, it is bigger than that in terms of the response that we're seeing online. So I want to open the floor and make sure that anyone has anything to say about Prince, the loss of Prince, the impact of Prince, his music at all. And Ferg, I know you're not, you weren't a fan at the time. Um, you know, let's do it here. You want to start, Jada? But, but, no, no, no. I, I'm going to start, man. Don't you ever say nothing like that about Michael Jackson again. All right, I'm done. <laughs> what did I say about I mean, Michael? I mean, that's that's sacrilegious. You 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 run the tape, but be, until you <laughs> I'm run talking the, about the fan the response, tape, the response to the passing. The fan, that's all. Yeah, man. But this we, I'm not we saying live in a bigger social artist media. Than Mike. We, we 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 live in a social media age, man. And don't, don't be talking about Michael, man. So well, that's that's fair because Mike died in 2010, and now we've got you know social media has evolved <laughs> six years. That's that's ten lifetimes in social media. So yeah, I get you. Well, no, there was but there was still. Twitter. I, I, I mean, I'm not in that portion of the debate, but it's not like there was no Twitter and there was no. Uh, yeah, social media has Facebook has or... matured in its time, though. I mean, now you, you you know, there's live tweeting. There's I'm watching a show and I'm saying every single thing. It's it's not even a phenomenon anymore. It's the norm, you know. 
I'm going to let y'all talk about Prince, but Prince was also <laughs> a genius in that he also pulled a George Foreman move when he was able to move his way out of the limelight and then come back and reinvent himself. So I'm, I, I'm going to sit down now. I, I, really think that, I really think that the death of Michael Jackson is a part of what helped Prince to open himself up in these last few years. I'm so sorry, y'all. Hold, please. Cat, hold us right now. No, 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 no. Jada, don't don't ever apologize. We want everyone to know that it's a super fantastic show. We're an equal opportunity employment company. Who thanks for the baby? And also, we listen. We no, no. We believe we believe in in women, and we believe in women who work and women who have have children. And there's some people that they 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 get upset and they get disgusted when there's babies in the background. We we think of babies and children as being a blessing from God, and we appreciate Jada making time for us and for you all that are listening on this show. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a small pause and a break, and then we're going to come right back. Thank you so much for listening to the Super Fantastic Show. Bye. Oh, bye. I, listen, I didn't know I was cussing in front of the baby. Oh, bye-bye. Can you say the Super Fantastic Show? Yes. Say, Lotus, say the Super Fantastic Show. We checking the show? Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Lock it in. Put it on the cart. And ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Debray, uh, you turned 21 when I knew you uh, in college. And on your special 21st birthday, your, your closest friends, uh, myself included, got together. And we uh, took you out. We fed you. And we took you out for a night on the town. And right before we went out on the town, and it was the middle of the wintertime because it's November in Washington, D.C., for some reason, you noticed that there was a Prince album on the floor after you had put your winter coat on and the heat was on in the place and you played the record and then danced facing the wall. You must really like Prince. Really? That's how you going to tell the story? That's the story as far as I'm you, concerned. You skipped every important detail. You skipped every important detail. You want to retell that that part of the story? You want me to? Or you want me to? You want me I'm to go good. into the details? I'm good. I thought it was a great telling of the story, and I, it's a fond memory I have. Oh, you really okay. like Prince? Okay, I love Prince. Prince is my favorite artist. Prince is Prince is Prince is not my was not my favorite musician. Prince is my favorite artist. And so on this particular night, uh, let me just say that 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 uh, you know my homeboy Bell has as one of the dopest wax collections, right? Albums which includes a whole hell of a lot of prints. Uh, he, he, like me, grew up in the Midwest. And and growing up in the Midwest, in particular, if you grew up uh, in the 313, you grew up outside of Detroit, you heard the electrifying Mojo, um, who is an icon in, in Detroit and Midwest radio. And this dude, man, electrifying Mojo play, he broke everything. And here, you know, in Detroit, uh, you know, where we are, you know, it's Motown, it's R&B, it was the, you know, the budding hip-hop scene, and Electron Mojo would play all that, and then he would start the Midnight Funk Association. Now, after that, he would break all types of music, man. He played Prince. He played the entire Dirty Mind album. This dude, whenever it would come out, he played the entire uh, 1999 album. You know, and would just play it straight. And so he would play David Bowie. He would play Led Zeppelin. I mean, and so for, you know, growing up, 
you know, as a as a black kid in a you know in this black city, it was it was it was mind it was mind op- eye opening and mind blowing to hear all of this phenomenal music from all these different artists. And there was a special spot that Mojo had for Prince, and so all of us who grew up, you know, men of a certain age uh, during that time in the eighties, uh, late seventies, early eighties, uh, you know, we got exposed to Prince early, and just like hearing Prince was just for not so so. That's the background. So I, I'm a huge Prince fan. You see, you know, I see some Prince music in your collection. I'm gonna put it on now. Let's say your jackass friends have made some brownies. Now, you as someone who don't drink or smoke at the time and still don't smoke, not nothing, right? So your friends make brownies for your birthday, and you a little dumbass 21-year-old kid, you're like, oh, my friends made brownies for my birthday. <laughs> I'm gonna eat some of these brownies. I had no idea what else these suckers put into the brownies. So not only do I have a love for Prince, but I also was higher than a giraffe ass and didn't know. (laughs) And not even high on purpose. These fools got me high. (laughs) So I started dancing because that's what you do when you put on Prince. Because I was high. (laughs) <laughs> this is what your friends do. And I put friends in quotation marks. This is what your friends do when they are trying to help you out for your 21st birthday. But do you thank love you Prince? Mo, we're, thank, thank you, Mo. Do you love Prince? I love Prince. Boom. That's all. There, I said that, it. That is. That's yeah. all we do. Sweet. And moving right along, uh, even though we're not going <laughs> to give it as much time as we gave Prince, we do <gasps> want to also big up China. China, the professional wrestler who died on the same day as Prince. I was a huge uh, professional wrestling uh, fan. And uh, China China left here at the same time. China's uh, name was Joan Laura, and she was actually the first WWE champion who was a woman. She wasn't the Divas champion. She was the WWE champion, and uh, she died at age 45. Rest in peace, China. She was, I mean, she was part of Degeneration X, man. She was part of one of the, you know, one of the groups that moved wrestling into the, uh, you know, the when they moved Monday Night Raw um, into must-see TV, you know. Uh, and she was a part of Degeneration X with with X-Pac and, and uh, Triple H and Road Dogg, uh, Jesse James and Billy Gunn. Like, she was a part of that group and, a, and, a, and not just like a, an, a, an addendum to it, like, oh, and here's the chick. Like you know, they, she was a badass. You know, she's bro, a bro, you, you, woman and kicked you, ass. You, you already had my respect, but you just earned my respect more. I didn't know you were a wrestling fan. God oh, bless man. you. What the Attitude Era WWE? <laughs> Let's go. God bless you. Three pumps on the crotch, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're a wrestling fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Jada, you're back. I'm back. Wanna- I was born in the mid '70s, so. Definitely grew up with Prince's music. I, my first introduction to him was also uh, through my aunt's amazing uh, Prince LP collection. At the time, when I saw it, uh, I think my father had bought 1999 for us, and, and we thought that was his first album. And then we went to my aunt Charity's house, and she had uh, four before that. And I'm... I can be somewhat uh, obsessive. <laughs> and so I was obsessed at that point with uh, trying to find everything I could on uh, on this amazing man. And so I also had 
um, a great album collection and a CD collection and a tape collection. I think my brother ended up selling my my cassette tapes, but I digress. Um, drug. <laughs> no, no, not that one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> I for, Prince was just a part of everything that I did. Like I, I had, you know, Prince was a part of my dance recitals and cheerleading competitions and. Uh, you know, background music to my workouts. And he was my, you know, my, you know, kind of a part of my first everything in college, uh, you know, with this guy or that guy. And and just, he was very much, a, and, you know, like everybody's, but everybody's life. But what I love now hearing about are all of the stories where uh, not only was he uh, a great humanitarian on, a worldwide scale or even a national scale. I just read a very moving article this morning about how uh, In Style magazine wanted to interview him and he uh, requested or demanded that he be interviewed uh, by an African-American journalist. In Style magazine had no access to an African-American journalist, which is just wild to me. So... Uh, they scoured all of their files and records and came across a resume uh, from a young woman who had, you know, just submitted uh, submitted some work. She had just left uh, Tommy Hilfiger. She had uh, submitted some work and they had overlooked it. And because she was black, she got the gig <laughs> to interview Prince, which, you know, I, I just think is amazing and sad at the same time. But uh, so her her article was featured, and uh, it was the t- at the, during the time that he was uh, married to Maite, and you know so they you know talked about their beautiful story. But the uh, you know this this journalist's uh, words were so eloquent. Uh, she she um, submitted a, a brief. Uh, text exchange between the two and he really wrote like I with E-Y-E and two with the number two just just how you see it in, on some of his albums uh, and liner notes he, he's writing his text out in that same way which I thought was funny uh, and um, and so he really put this journalist on he really did put Misty Copeland on he really did you know it's, it wasn't just his his chick at the time that he was interested in, uh, in, in pushing along and, and highlighting. He really did want to put black people, black women on. And, uh, you know, I, I just appreciate hearing about all of those kinds of stories and, and uh, having the opportunity to feel that much closer to him during this time. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, you know, the thing about what Prince and Jada, you and I are the same. Actually, all of us are around the same age. I grew up in the Northeast. And yet hip-hop was growing up when I was growing up. You know, it was this underground thing that became, uh, it had a huge following, but never in the daylight. And um, the, the Prince was huge, especially around Purple Rain time. For, my, for mm-hmm. the majority of my life, you know, hip-hop has been the soundtrack for my existence. Up until maybe the last 10, 15 years, of course, because this shit is dribbled. <laughs> but, um, so 
so at, at no point in time in, in me coming up, especially where I was growing up, would it have ever been cool for me to emulate Prince? Like I could never walk around looking like wear a pirate shirt and some tight ass black pants or some chaps <laughs> with my ass out. It just never you couldn't do it. But I could walk around running. I could walk around in a, in a Adidas tracksuit and some and some shell toes for sure. You know this this was the thing. So that's that that's what I did. You know that's I identified with the public enemies of the world with the uh, tribe called <laughs> Quests, the Wu Tangs and, and all those. Um, very aware of Prince and Prince's music, but it, it never was the mainstay of of my musical intake um and in college it really opened up i mean i really got exposed to a lot of his music then you know more so than when i was you know before that it was probably just his big hits and then the purple rain stuff uh, and since then I, you know i've got i've probably got all of his music um even the albums that you know that the stuff he's published at least but mm-hmm. my point is when he died and even just in, in the days afterwards I realized I just had a moment of realization in myself, and I and I do realize that I took a certain comfort in knowing that he was out there because this guy yeah. was so creative and black and pro-black mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. talented and 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 such, had such a die-hard work ethic. I mean, you know, he didn't he didn't he's not like he's not as you he's not a sellout. You know, he's a guy who's a light-skinned black dude who can perform in front of a, a crowd in any country in the world, and still he's highly concerned about the plight of his people and, right. and, and, and his neighborhood and the people in Minneapolis and the people in Cincinnati and the people in you know, Memphis and, and all those places. And, and like you said, Jetta, you know, he, he made it a point to put people on. Um, he knew how to play basketball. And who would have thought? You know, this guy's walking around with leather yellow chaps, but he's nice. He's, he used to be a point guard in high school, you know. I never really felt like he, in his art, leather, yellow, chaps, chaps, with the ass out. <laughs> Dig, if you will, a picture. <laughs> right. I was never that sexy. <laughs> I said I can't. I can't go there. I. I can't. I can't rock it. You know. But um, I really commend that dude. And and Berg, you touched you touched on this before we got on, and you you said that you weren't a, a huge Prince fan because no, but I, you were growing I, I up. Did, I did love watching them perform though. I'm sure. Yeah. Guy's a hell of a performer. But you, yes. you, the point was, you said when we were growing up, there was always the thing like you had to be either or a Mike fan or a Prince fan. And that's true to some extent. And I, and I don't know if that was like um, a push by the marketing machines to kind of pit these two against each other or if there ever was anything, you know, there or not. I think they both really respected each other. And if you look at that that video of the James Brown performance where Mike comes up and then insists that James bring Prince up, you know, like. You can see the dichotomy in the styles. Now, style, stylistically, 180 degrees. I agree. Stylistically, 180 degrees. And stylistically, I mean, as somebody in the South, they were, Prince's music was risque. And Michael's was not. I got whole, a spanking. Yeah, you're right. I, I got a spanking for listening to Erotic City. Okay, I remember the spanking. <laughs> right. All right. No, seriously. But he had risque music, and Michael was just 100% pop. Arc- I mean, now nah, you guys going to get me talking about R. Kelly again, but Prince wasn't pop. Prince was pop, R&B, rock and roll. I mean, you could even say he was a little acid jazz after the acid jazz period. I mean, when he's doing some of his guitar solos, 
but I mean, he just ran the spectrum and musically, musically. Right. right. And, and not, not that Mike, you know, Mike was, a, you know, Mike was a genius too. Um, he just, it was just different. And some of it was outside of the, the realm of what I was able to listen to at that age. Right. Absolutely. And, and so there doesn't I, need to be a, an either or, right? They're both, right. they're both our geniuses. They're both, yeah. they, they belong to the world now. They're both the world's geniuses. But if we're going to talk about both of them just for a minute, and as I reflect on it, and this is the first time I'm even thinking about it, you know, Prince, the, the, one of the things that I really give Prince, and I'm a huge Mike fan, one of the things I really give Prince, aside from his music, is the fact that he genuinely was concerned about the plight of African-Americans. And not to say that yeah. Mike wasn't, but Mike was like, I'm concerned about humanity. Humans need to be such and such. Where Prince was like, yeah, I'm concerned about humanity, but this sister's talented, and she's getting shut out of the ballet world. Or this sister's talented, she's getting shut out of journalism. And Larry Graham is an incredible bassist, and he hasn't been able to put a record out in years, so I'm going to bring him up on stage, and Larry's going to go on tour with me. You know, or, or Van Jones and his account on CNN talking about how, you know, Prince told him after you left the White House, go to go pray for two weeks and then come back and write down what you want to do. And I'm going to help you. But you can't tell anybody like he's really concerned about his people. And that's a huge right. deal to me. Huge. So, so, so incredible. In all fairness to both artists, I think both of them, like many, um, many of the black millionaires in the United States, I think a lot of them do a lot of things anonymously. And even though we, we, we're talking about Prince right now, we cannot, I mean, we, we cannot lessen um, the amount of aid and relief that Michael Jackson spearheaded with the We Are, we Are the World project for Africa. I mean that 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 was huge at the time, and those are our people. True. And as a side, an aside on that, just different political stance there. I'm way more concerned about the plight of the people in Milwaukee. It, it, correct. I'm, I'm listening to you. Yeah. The super fantastic. The super show. fantastic show is brought to you by EatingForAbs.com. Visit Eating for Abs for guidance on all of your nutrition and weight loss needs. That's EatingForAbs.com. The show is also brought to you by CoffeeWithRadi.com where you'll find books by Judo Olympian and four-time national champion, Dr. Rodney Ferguson.